everyone. This is Kate. Just interrupting to say real quick, you're going to hear in episode two that the sound quality for my side of the recording isn't as great. I had a different um, headset I was using with not as good of a microphone, but we loved the conversation so much that we wanted to keep the episode. Um, so you'll hear a difference between the quality of the recording in episode one and episode three. Um, we hope you still enjoy it and let us know what you think. Thanks. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is a girl, a guy, and a Buffy podcast. I'm Kate Balzer, one of your hosts. And I'm Charles Swint. Well, this episode, we're really kind of getting into the like meat and potatoes of the format we planned for it in our discussion. Um, our first episode was definitely much more of a introduction, contextualizing Buffy in the period that it, you know, came onto the scene. Um, so we're tackling sort of our first big question in this episode. Do you want to tell them what that question is, Charles? Yeah. So we're 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 meeting our our quote unquote big bad, and not that these ideas are these ideas are definitely big, but they are not bad ideas. Right. Exactly. Um, you metaphorical. Know, big metaphor. Bad, is that the right. Yes, <laughs> I think so. I don't want anyone to like you know, misconstrue our, our thought here, but we are going to be talking about uh, feminism and gender um, throughout the season and sort of like that being sort of the the topic that we're going to be tackling uh, throughout, throughout the season. And so for this episode, one of the things that we've, we wanted to ask the question, is Buffy a feminist show? And like so much about Buffy, the answer is kind of complex. <laughs> um, for sure you know i would say like for just to kind of jump straight into it from my perspective um based on the reading i've done on like feminism and feminist thought um and preparing for this discussion i would say so my take on sort of feminism and feminist thought um is that it's really about enacting a big systemic change um so you know the first wave of feminism really tackled um suffrage getting the right the right to vote for women. And we're really talking about the, the you know, Western feminism and, and specifically even U.S. feminism um, as far as particularly like history and waves. So just putting that in that context, because um, obviously that's a, what applies to Buffy as well. It's a U.S.-based show. She's an American, you know, character, um, you know, growing up in America. So, um, you know, and then the second one is really about like women and work and getting rights in the workplace and, you know, sort of becoming much more independent, not dependent on a male figure, whether that's a father, a husband, a brother. Um, and then that's the second wave. And the third wave is really when Buffy comes about. Um, so it was kind of kicking off right about the time that the show premiered. So she's at the start of it. And that is really... Um, Kind of what Buffy does is a lot of it is accepting the, you know, the the girly, the feminine, the female side of being a woman and kind of, you know, saying, hey, what you what women did in the second wave of feminism doesn't really fit us. Um, you know, there's certainly different subsets of it. Um, you know, but I think that if you really look at the show. Not until the finale and the choice to activate all the players, which really changes a system within the show, 
I would say the show, it by true definition, until that point, is not true feminist show. Now, that being said, it does a ton of stuff to promote representation, to show complex women. So there's a lot of great stuff, but I think it's much more on a like individual basis, a cultural basis, not necessarily like systemic change, if you want to go with like a true sort of definition in that regard. That's just my take on it, which you know, I'm sure uh, you ask 100 people, you'll get 100 different arguments. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that there, I mean, there is definitely an argument for it not to be a feminist show and that there, um, that, and, and I think it also depends on the moment and the yeah. view, uh, you uh, know, yeah. of, of whose side of the, like what side of the story you're looking at. Um, each week, and I think it sort of shifts. I think it's it's one of those shows that is fighting for feminists, like it's fighting for the, for those things, um, and understand like breaking through and finding new ways to accomplish what um, what this new wave of feminism and feminist thought are are trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's definitely struggling to do that. Um, and it doesn't always get it right. Um, but nothing, but when we're in fighting for something that's right, it, it gets messy and it's always going to get messy. Yeah, um, exactly. And there's, and there's never one answer. It's not a black and white issue as far as like, this is the definitive answer. Right. You know, fighting for rights, any sort of, um, you know, activism, social justice, it's complicated and messy. Um, and there's, you know, multiple parts to it, um, you know, kind of going into like intersection, intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could certainly make an argument that like a certain way, you know, pathways of fem- feminism, obviously Buffy really focuses on white female characters and white female characters growing up in the suburbs. So that's, you know, right. going to be totally different than somebody else's experience, um, you know, growing exactly. up, you yeah. know, of a different ethnicity, a different race, a different location, you know, whether you're, you've been living in America, you know, your family has been living in the U S for multiple years, or you're a first generation immigrant, you know, that's, that all adds to the complexity of the issue. Right. And I think you kind of see that um, we start start to see glimpses of what that looks like yeah. um, when and season uh, when Kendra comes into the scene where we yeah. where we meet Kendra. So here's an like here is a, a, a person of color who is a slayer and her experience and where she's come, where she's given up her family and she's completely given up her her identity as a human being as a person of color to do this thing that Buffy takes for almost takes for granted like she did like she didn't while she makes sacrifices and things like that she did not give up herself and she did not have to give up all of who she was in order to be the slayer in the same case that Kendra did where Kendra gave up all of who she was to be this thing um her family her friends and like her clothes like yeah. it's her shirt it's her only shirt. My <laughs> shirt i will not do her accent yeah it's my favorite shirt it's my only shirt like <laughs> it's my only shirt that's what she um, has um yeah well and i think too like 
you know, this again gets into that complexity of like context and, you know, plays an important part in it. You know, comparing Kendra to Buffy, the other part of it is that Buffy was undiscovered until she actually became a slayer. I think, I don't remember said outright, but certainly it's implied if not said outright, like, oh no, because it is kind of, she said that it's, um, you know, like it's a, a huge thing in her um, family and in her town and culture for mm-hmm. like to be selected as a slayer. So like everybody knows. Right. And, you know, so like as soon as she, I'm sure just was discovered as like a potential, she was taken away and given to her watcher where, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's part of it too. Like she never had the opportunity for agency and to grow up without that part of the watchers council ruling her life. And right. Buffy, you know, Buffy got, you know, what it's never talked about in the show. So you can come up with your own theory, whether it's that was done on purpose by the powers that be, so she could become the slayer she is, or you know, it was a fluke. Um, you right. know, whatever your your reasoning is, obviously they never state it specifically. I like to think it was because that was so Buffy could become the slayer she is. Like, I, I think it's a huge part of how she became the slayer she is. Right. She could grow up, quote unquote, like with a normal life. So she kind of had the, um, even, you know, even though she was kind of that, you know, came off as like a Cordelia-esque high school girl before becoming the slayer, I still think there was the underpinnings of like who she was as a, at the core of a human were allowed to develop because she didn't know she was a slayer until it actually was activated. Right. And I mean, and when you look at, um, when you start to look at at characters like Cordelia, which I think, again, like she's such a a complex character, Um, but again, she knows, but she knows who she is, or at least in the moment she does. Like she has sort of this, this air about her, but I think one of my, and one of my favorite lines, which I just, um, you know, was just watching, but and um, and band candy. You know, when they're mm-hmm. talking about the SATs, and she's like, I, you know, I do really good on standardized tests. And like my favorite line of hers is that, "What? I can't have layers." Like, yeah, I'm this. She's this like typical sort of like mean girl high school student, but she's also very smart and very intuitive, and can read people and can stand up for herself and and has many complex layers and just like her saying that is like what are you looking at like what do you mean i can't have layers like that like that line right there to me speaks volumes about what they're trying to do is that yes these female characters are multi-layered they are not just one thing they are not a monolith they are not just a trope they are all of these things and so much more and they are messy and they are don't do things right and that's okay because that's what being human is yeah yeah absolutely um i mean i think that's the most interesting part of the show is the the, sort of the complex characters the messiness um you know i know the horror as a metaphor for for problems particularly in high school is one of the things that's most talked about the show but i would say that's my favorite part of the show um, yes you know yeah. th- to me that's what keeps me coming back um time and again is because you you really get to know these characters you get to love them their layers their flaws you know their achievements 
Um, and that that's what makes, you know, it's so special and, and so empowering as a show. One of the things, this was something that I never really thought about, but when I read it, I thought, oh, wow, that's so, it really is true, is that I think one of the things, too, that sort of changed Buffy or sort of like was a, a subconscious or it was a conscious thing, but sort of something that maybe you thought didn't pick up on um, was that they never really exploited Buffy's hotness, like how attractive she was. She was like the clothes that she wore were age appropriate. They were, you know, she was always well put together and she always looked good, but there was never like slow pants up of Buffy and like, you know, and like weird, you know, cleavage shots of Buffy and like all these like, or any of the the women in the show, like there, there was never like the male gaze. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and, in in you know, preparing for this discussion, um, there was definitely at least one or two articles that I was reading that were, you know, more in the pro Buffy as a feminist show that said the same thing. And I would agree. In fact, actually, I feel like um, the, they, they again, flipped the script in that way. Again, whether that's feminist or not, but in like the episode, go fish mm-hmm. when Xander yeah. comes out in the speedo, they yeah. try to do that sexy pan up and because their girls are like, who's that hot guy? And then they're like, Oh my God, it's Xander. I mean, and that is a full, I mean, there is a full oh, yeah. on crotch shot of Xander. <laughs> yeah. Like they are like, that is a slow pan across all of it, all of him. And they do it with Angel too. They do it with Angel. He's That's always true. like he's always like shirtless and naked and sweaty all the time. And you're like, geez. Yes, particularly in season three when he's brought back. And I'm yeah. like, wait, he's shirtless again? Right. Why does he does he just not wear his shirt? Like, and like even him when he comes back from hell. Yeah. And, and he's like full on naked. Like right. he is just right. Naked right. on the floor. Well, and then Spike in season six. Like yeah. he's always the one who's like shirtless or naked. Yeah, I mean they they definitely sort of yeah flip the the script with you know yeah. the the male gaze on that where like we're literally just gazing at men all the time. Yeah. Um, and just ogling them and looking. I mean, and it's it's good to look at. I did I. As a young queer boy, I was not mad at it. I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> pause, rewind, pause, rewind. Right. <laughs> These yeah, things no, that's very true. And even when there was like sexy moments, it never felt gratuitous. Right. Like, you know, like the Buffy quote unquote sexy dance in season two. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think it's more like weird than sexy. Yes. You know, like the context of it um or like you know uh cordelia arriving back at school after she got injured um at, you know and fell through the stairs and got her injury after discovering right. willow and xander cheating um and she comes back in this like kind of sexy leather pleather you know deep wine outfit right um and you know pulls up in her corvette and her, her convertible and gets out and it's like you know it is kind of like ooh court Cordelia is like back, but it's more like badass Cordelia's back. It's not like right. This is a you know. There's a little bit of not that there isn't a little bit of like sexiness about her because it focuses on her you know legs as she steps out of the car. But it's it's not in a way that you would like see nowadays. Yeah. Um, or you know may have seen in other other shows. 
Yeah, there are no like slow motion. Like the only time that they do that, and even when they did do it, like it was all very tongue in cheek when um, in season seven, when um, Xander's oh. doing about this, this slayer of the vampire, like, and he's talking about all of them, and they're like posing in the kitchen, and the wind is blowing in there, right? Like the romance novel, <laughs> and the soft, very life. soft light, yeah, that's happening. But they're like holding cereal boxes, and it's and yeah. it's and that's very like fantasy, it's not right. like, yeah, and they're all like, Andrew, you're ridiculous, yeah, and so it's <laughs> so just, true. yeah, so they never, so they never you that you know while the women were you know they were you know yeah they were they're just never I never felt like they were exploited in that way on screen um and then they never like and they never like none of them necessarily had to trade on their sex appeal either like it was like they never used sex as a weapon Faith. faith did faith did right but it was not necessarily looked on as a good thing no it wasn't um and it was but it was also because but i th- i also believe that that was very character driven oh very much so like, I mean, it was almost done like immaturely because of all her you know um the impact of her growing up she had experienced and then you know right. all the emotion you know losing her watcher and then being betrayed by the supposed second watcher who's not really her watcher right post um so yeah it's like sort of her fallback like defense mechanism it's yeah not like, i don't know there but there is something different about how she does it and i think that it's it's again not gratuitous um because she's smart and mm-hmm. she's you know, and she's, uh, she's just in, she's able to manipulate a situation um, where she doesn't necessarily have to use those things. She has so many other assets that, um, you know, that she can use. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then anytime there was any sort of, like, anytime any guy did sort of make weird passes at them or anything like that like it was usually met immediately with retribution there was usually some consequence to you know to that happening so guy so even if men were making inappropriate comments or doing things like even if xander did it like there was always a look or someone or you know buffy or willow or cordelia were like xander that's not cool there was always some sort of like uh you can't do that or some physical thing you know um i think there was uh somebody said something um about how buffy was dressed or something like that um and where she broke the guy's note right and go fish i was just yeah go fish yeah he tries to sexually assault her yeah (laughs) and she just like nope (laughs) not happening yeah exactly you've chosen the wrong one yeah i would agree i mean it certainly the show certainly makes the point in in multiple episodes that that's not acceptable treatment or behavior right and that yeah there's usually consequences and not it might not be traditional consequences it might not be um you know depending on the level of 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 behavior you know, if there's like 
it's a, at an assault level, like the, you might, they might not be arrested, but like you go right. fish, they turn into like fish monsters and now have to live in the sea and are never like have a normal human life again. Right. <laughs> like Anya's form of right. Word, you know, <laughs> you're a slug. You're a, you know, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. For eternity. So I think, yeah. So I think there, there are definitely points. Um, to be made that it is a, you know, to be made that it is a feminist show or, you know, or definitely a, f a female empowering show, yes. which yeah. is, which could be, at least in my opinion, it could be a, a blueprint or a, or a guide, not necessarily a blueprint, but a guide to how we should be behaving and how we should be treating people and that these are the consequences um, behind that. Uh, to the counterpoint, I would like to sort of toss out a counter argument. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. That's what uh, we asked. Question. We didn't say yes. This is. <laughs> um, the counter argument is, is that the relationships between the females, between the women in the show, the females, that sounded awful, um, between the women in the show, um, were not always uplifting. I mean, there was absolutely Buffy and Willow um, to the core, which was sort of, you know, gave us that core, you know, oh, this is what friendship should look like. And this is what, you know, for the most part, non-competitive and, um, and like mutually supportive friends look like in almost every aspect of their relationship, um, except for a couple of times where they, they get into it. Um, but there, but the other women in the show, there's always some sort of rivalry or competition between Cordelia and Buffy, between Cordelia and Willow, between Glory and Buffy, between Drusilla and Buffy, between um, Harmony and Buffy, between, you know, so the, there's a lot of competition and rivalry in there um, between that. So that there is an argument to be made that oh, that it's not, you know, that there's a lot of like female competition that happens. Um, like if you look at like the freshman in season yeah. four, yeah, you know, um, and then like Buffy's roommate and like there's a lot of times where she is, having to fight women um mm. because you know they want to take her power because they are jealous of her um because they you know they need something from her they want something from her and so they you know they fight her to get it as opposed to working with her um and even when they're on the same side like with cordelia you know even though they were like fighting towards the same end a lot of times they were often at odds with each other like in the homecoming yeah yeah exactly and it's like they kind of develop eventually i think somewhat of a respect but even like when cordelia goes on to angel there's sort of sort of like snide comments she still makes about buffy mm -hmm. and the whole like buffy angel you know relationship and so i think that i don't know if that makes it like not feminist but it certainly is like they never reach a like a friendship stage. There might be some mutual respect, right? You know, for sure. Yeah, but there's always that sense of like, 
competition or seeing like, you know, I'm sure as Cordelia develops feelings for Angel, you know, his relationship with Buffy is sort of always an underlying threat, even if they're never going to be together because it was like presented as this like great star-crossed love. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it goes like, you know, it's mixed. That's, that's part of the complex messiness of it, you know, but I think you're right. There's less, if you like kind of break down the analysis, there's not as much like women coming together to support each other. I mean, the strongest is probably Buffy and Willow's friendship and then Willow and Tara. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, until the end of the show. Yes. Until the end. To activate and that it's two women who do it, that Buffy comes up with the idea, has Willow enact it and makes all the potential slayers. And granted, that's obviously going to have some consequences. Sure. You know, nothing, there was never going to be a perfect solution to, to fight the first, but I think what that says is like, these women don't have to do it alone anymore. And like, we control it. It's no longer mm-hmm. controlled by this male patriarchal top-down organization that only sees us as a weapon. Like we see each other as human beings who have, you know, been selected for this crazy experience. Mm-hmm in this crazy world, but like, we'll be better if we do it together. Right. Um, you know, and it's like, I, you know, the faith Buffy conversation, um, towards the end of season seven as well. Um, you know, when Buff after faith has been injured and they're in Buffy's room while she's recuperating and she's like, well, you know, two slayers at once, maybe that's why we could like never get along. Um, and to me that, the ending counteracts that it was never about the two of them being slayers. It was about the two of them, their age, their issues at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I think the slaying is the one thing that sort of like connected them right. to even get them as far as they did. But, but even with them, there was a lot of that like competition stuff, you know, competition for watcher attention, for friend attention, um, you know, parental attention. Right. Um, Cause so, face yeah, says I never like it. Had I had the friends that you did, I, you know, I didn't come with the friends and the mom and all of this other right. stuff. My life would have right. been different. And so there's always a comparison. Right. Um, so much so that she switched bodies with Buffy. Like so much so that yeah. she like literally does a single white female and switches bodies with her to live her life and to take over her life. Right. Um, so I think that there, you know, so there is that thing that that's, you know, where we're, I think if you're looking at, at you know, f- female empowerment and, and feminist, you know, thought that, that that's not something that needs to happen. Like, there's no need for that. The, there shouldn't be a comparison of each other's life and competition because we can't compete with each other because there's no, because we're all different. And yeah, we all bring something that. different to the table. And so I think that sort of counteracts some some of that, um, some of those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a really excellent point that I never really thought of. Yeah, it, there could have, um, that's one area like for, if you were going to, you know, say here, here's a great potential for improvement is more, female relationships that uplift each other not saying that like they have to get along all the time or that every relationship is perfect obviously that's not true that's not realistic but like you said there is there's a a balance between you know being 
human and emotionally realistic and yet having your female characters at all levels, whether it's, you know, familial, friendships, romantic, um, you know, come together in more of a supportive environment and not always be in competition with each other. Right. Because you can, you can, you can call each other on each other's shit. Like you can challenge each other in a way that keeps people honest and it keeps people accountable, but it's not competitive. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, but again, overall, the show is, you know, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. the show is wonderful. I mean, the other thing you could also say is, you know, certainly about the show um, is, you know, obviously it's lacking in, in a lot of intersectionality. It has some moments, but, you know, you have, like we were talked about before, I mean, they're, the main characters are all white. So, you know, white females, mm-hmm. um, they're all of a certain size. You know, no. there. You know, so there's there's not body differences until really until the seventh season with the potential slayers, right? And um, even then, very little. Correct. Yeah, and obviously, you know, there's no characters of color for uh, living in, you know, the coastal uh, Southern California. Right. Right. You know, that's certainly not a realistic representation. Um, yeah so we get yeah so there's i mean i think there's a lot of that too and it, and again that it's more about the time period and when it was being written and all of that stuff um right. so there's there's a lot to, to well and then on the, you know the, the back side of it which we haven't really discussed is um and this this goes to the questions of you know representation and having diverse perspectives help make a work of art, particularly one that's collaborative, better. You know, you have a white male showrunner, pretty much mm-hmm. all, not 100%, but mostly white writers, you know, a mix of male right. and female, but um, I think still more male than female, like the percentages, it's not 50-50. I'm sure that's true if you looked at like, the, you know, on the production and design and crew side, it would be the same situation. So, you know, that makes, that makes an impact as well on the kind of story that's told. Right. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall, I think obviously it's, you know, there's a lot to get out of it positively about women, about empowerment, about male, female relationships, female, female relationships, um, you know, and we kind of even haven't really talked as much about um, Willow and Tara, which, you know, it was only one relationship, but at the time, um, right. that representation and that intersectionality of, of a lesbian couple was very significant. Yeah. And it was only just starting to happen on TV. And they did it in such a, like, beautiful and subtle way. It wasn't like here's our very special episode where Willow comes out. Right. Yeah. And it, yes. And how Buffy handles it too. It's like, it was so great how she did it. Like where it was not a thing where she was like, you're, you're, you're freaked out by this. And she's like, no, no. She's like, no, no, I'm not. You know, it takes her like, it takes her literally like half a second to process the information 
Yeah. And to course and then to like see Willow again and be like, yes, yeah. I see yeah. you. Um Yeah, exactly. I don't even think with like Xander or Giles, it was kind of like, okay. Yeah, it was never a big deal. And you know, and that is I mean, so... it was like significant, but it wasn't like we're judging you for it, big deal. Right. It's just something new that you're going through through Correct. her life. And she makes a and she does say that, you know, Willow does make comments about it throughout season four about you know like right. i'm going through something big and like this yeah. is huge like oz left me but i found you know this new relationship and who i am and that like this is huge and i'm discovering something new about myself yeah. um and it's not just about the witchcraft and they right. you know i think sometimes they did make they utilized the witchcraft as sort of a thinly veiled way to talk about her being gay and the homosexuality. Um, you know, there, and again, like this is what, like this is one of the cringy moments um, that's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It, I think it's in Restless mm -hmm. where they're in the dream and where Xander uh, says, where Sanders goes, I knew where you they were do going spells, they do spells together. <laughs> Sometimes I like, and then I do a spell on myself. Like there's like that moment. That's like, yeah. oh gosh, that's really, oh, yeah, that now that's into, like the like male gaze cliche, like two women together is like, ooh, this hot fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And in yeah. a way that like, I'm not sure that it added anything to the restless episode. Like we kind of already knew Xander was that way. Right, I don't think we needed him to say it. No. <laughs> I was I like, agree. I actually I prefer that you not just say it. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I think, so there are those moments that, that happened um, Yeah. that I think, you know, and then of course there's, you know, there's other things that we'll we'll talk about in other episodes, I think that there's so, I mean, since since feminism and gender is sort of the big bad of our season, there are so many other avenues that we can explore mm -hmm. and talk about and that we will talk about right. um, throughout yeah. the season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about Buffy is it's a complex show and the issues it tackles um, the, in the ways it does are complex in, you know, in ways it succeeds and doesn't succeed. Um, and so we'll be, you know, delving into that more not only this season but hopefully in future seasons tackling the next thematic big bad yeah and so there's a um i was on a reddit um reddit thread um mm -hmm. and this is one of the things so from somebody who posted i think one of the I think the most feminist part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that the leading women are all allowed to be com complicated. Mm -hmm. They make mistakes, they hurt other people, they have conflicts, but they also they also support each other and help each other grow. Um, I just thought that was really nice. And I think it is, I mean, yeah. I think that that's ultimately what we're trying to do is figure out a way to support other women um you know and when we say women we talk about all women um and how how do we support them and what do they need um and how can everyone who does have you know 
does have the power get the power? How do we allow mm-hmm. women to to find their power and to and to be able to exert it in the world? Um, yeah, and remove the barriers that prevent them from using that power and right. finding that power. And those of us who have the power, how you know? How do the men in our in our world become? Gileses, and you yeah. know, and help to clear a path for that, and you know, when necessary, and help mm-hmm. help guide and 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 be an ally for you know, to to strong women everywhere. Yeah. Oh, we've got so much more to talk about. Absolutely, um, looking forward to it. So, thank you all so much for joining us. Um, this week yes thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the discussion we definitely want to hear your thoughts if you want to send us an email with your thoughts questions concerns you can email us at a buffy podcast at gmail.com we're on facebook and instagram at a buffy podcast and if you like what you hear please like and subscribe and download our podcast we would thoroughly love it and make sure to leave us a review um and you know send us some stars and some love yeah let us know what you think all right thanks bye bye